Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening, and stay creative. Salutations and welcome, my dear podcast listeners. Another episode of RTAF is upon us, and this is a very special episode. My guest this week is Allie Grimm, also known as A.L. Grime. This is the second time she's been on the podcast. And what's so special about this episode? Well, we're minting the video along with the process of how Allie remixed and animated the RTAF logo as an NFT. That's right. This is my first NFT. It's a podcast. It's not a painting. It's not an image. It's not, you know pictures of dried paint on a concrete floor like you thought it might be nope it's this very podcast so it's on open sea that's where we're minting it Allie and i are collaborating on this we're going to split the profits and in this episode we go in depth on nfts so if you are either triggered by them one way or the other like you've heard enough or you've already made up your mind that they're bullshit or that they're great and you don't need to know anything else. This this is just a disclaimer. This might not be the episode for you. But we talk about the broader implications of NFTs. We also touch on the topic of free will a little bit. Uh, artistic style. We talk about our favorite little new app, Clubhouse. Good times on there. Audio only. You'll hear all about it in the podcast. And I just want to give a little shout out to everyone who's been rating and reviewing the podcast. That really helps a lot of people find it. So thank you so much for doing that. Really appreciate it. And be on the lookout for a Patreon in the next mm, few weeks, hopefully. I know I've said that before, but this time I actually mean it. It's underway. I'm figuring out the tiers. Just want to note that uh, I don't think for any time in the foreseeable future... I'll be putting any of these audio episodes behind a paywall, but I have been doing pretty much exclusively Zoom interviews since the fall, and I'm going to start recording those, and the videos will be uh, part of the benefits package that you will get if you subscribe. So, also if you haven't, check out the RTAF Pod Squad group on Facebook if you're on there. And be sure and tell all your creative and non-creative and latently creative friends about this. I believe in it. And if you're listening every week, I know that you do too. So thanks for being here. And now, Allie Grimm. Grimm. Allie Grimm. Good to have yeah. you back. Well, I'm back. Yes. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. 
Um, first of all, let me just say you've been killing it. And I think I speak for more than just myself when I say I admire your hustle and what, how far you've come in such a short amount of time. So thank you. Thanks yeah. for being you. Thanks. I feel like I get really awkward whenever people compliment me the way that artists do. <laughs> yeah, but, we all do. Sometimes it's it's hard to to see yourself, you know, like. Yeah, I think so. But I do also like I do work really hard and I try and keep my head down and kind of just, you know, let the work speak for itself. So it does actually mean a lot that that is the way that people compliment me often is is just acknowledging that I do put a lot of effort into everything so thank you yeah so I think the initial purpose of of this was to sort of break down nfts um for for someone who might be new to the the space um I guess like a disclaimer would be that if you've been listening to stuff about nfts ad nauseum for the past three weeks <laughs> you're probably going to hear us tread some familiar ground but uh yes. but for anyone else who's curious about what the heck is going on because i still have unanswered questions even though i've been like totally immersing myself in the like clubhouse um you know ecosystem of non-stop nft talk non-stop yeah. Literally all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, there's like great rooms um, where like some homies hang out and we just bullshit too. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I actually love Clubhouse. Like I do too. I had, I, yeah, I, I hopped on in December and at first it wasn't in December. It was not really big on the NFTs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found a bunch of artist networks and was able to meet people and kind of just like connect with people that were all over the globe. And at that point I get like super bad seasonal depression and just like weird holiday stuff. And so I think like around that time having like voice conversations with people, like I did, it was one of those things where like you don't even realize you're sad until I was like, Oh my God, I needed this so bad. (laughs) This is so intense. So I think like I became super obsessed with the app really fast because of it and then have just watched this whole wave of NFTs within it just totally flood it and not in a good or bad way, but just it really is the main thing on there that I see. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a TED talk constantly about NFTs and and it, it is a great app though. Like I, it's kind of like... So I had a podcast with uh, Anthony Thogmartin earlier this winter and I was like, you know what would be great if we had a social media app that like you couldn't type on and it was all like, my idea was like you could only video comment or video post. And this is like totally getting past like that unnecessary lag in like recording a video and posting it and it's just like all audio. And honestly, I think it makes the social interaction on the internet, like way nicer. Yeah. I, th- I think people are way more willing to, you know, hear the tone of someone's voice and like let them finish what they have to say for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. when, when you're just hearing audio and there's something special about like spoken word. 
Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I totally agree. And I think like, you know, what I really loved about it at first and, and still love is that I've sat in on conversations with strangers that are like really real, like they're very intense, but because like you said, we can hear each other's tone. It's totally fine. Like it's very right. peaceful. Right. Which is cool. It feels good to just like have an intellectual conversation because I've spent quarantine strictly watching reality television. So <laughs> <laughs> I need like intelligent conversations. Yeah. What's your favorite reality TV show? You're, I can't say because you're going to laugh at me. No, it's okay. It's okay. Everyone already knows. It's the Jersey Shore. But Oh, nice. I, <laughs> but it's just it's just because like it's like it's like this sounds terrible and I don't mean it in a horrible way, but it's like <laughs> when you go to the zoo and you watch animals fight and you're like, what is, what are you guys doing? I like right. reality. I'm always just like, is this what normal people do with their lives? Like, what is this? And it's like a social experiment, mm-hmm. but I'm it, being nosy and just watching from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that brings up an interesting thought. Like, like I think we're moving towards an age where instead of being like the voyeur of stuff, the new media like entertainment will allow you to kind of like input into the, the story. Right. Like I I envision that being a thing. Um, just, just kind of like spitballing off of what I'm hearing about new VR worlds and, and, and you know, like crypto voxels and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. There was, I forget who was in it, but there was that one movie where these people like get a text and they have to like do everything that this number is texting and people are like voting on what they have to do <laughs> on some social network. I can't remember what it's called, but Whoa. I think the girl that plays Hermione Granger is in it. Oh, nice. Emma, whatever her name is, but think that's who's in it but that movie was really terrifying and i do feel like that's about to become reality yeah Yeah, go go ahead it'll be some sort of like like meta video game where there's like a story but you can like actually shift the way that it turns out yes yeah no it's it's uh weird like (laughs) i there's um what are they called? Like the characters in video games that you can interact with, but you can't play. Uh, non-playable non- ca- NPCs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. NPCs. Yeah. Non-playable characters. Non-playable characters. Yeah. There's um, a show apparently that's coming out that is like told from the perspective of an NPC <laughs> within a virtual reality, and they're just like, wa- or it's a it's a new movie, and they're just like watching everything happen in front of them, but they can't control it because they're non-playable. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty curious, like if that's kind of what that virtual future is going to be like. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Um, there's a lot happening right now and I think it's hard for me to talk about it in concrete terms because, um, you know, I'm not a coder or an engineer or even, you know, super heavy into the crypto space other than just like some investing but uh yeah i i'm kind of running up against the wall here in in terms of like my ability to language this stuff 
Mm-hmm. So let's okay, let's let's pivot a little bit into more concrete terms and talk about um NFTs. Okay. So you released um some posts, some videos about mm-hmm. them. Um I guess I guess we can start at the 101 like can you tell can you just break down what an NFT is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, an NFT is the non-fungible token. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much it's like a certificate of authenticity, um, that gives provenance to an item, like a token, a digital item. Um, it is recorded on the blockchain. So essentially, you know, I, I try to not think of it too big and just keep it as simple as like, imagine the way, same way you buy normal art comes with a certificate of authenticity, but that certificate can never get lost or burned or destroyed, it exists forever. Right. Um, and so it, it really is just like proof of authentication for any single thing on the blockchain. Nice, nice. And so like in terms of art, um, I'm noticing that there's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation, especially in the past couple of days about the ecological impact of like minting an NFT and I'm just I'm just curious as to like, you, you know, I guess like I'll break it down a little bit. Like every time you do a transaction on the blockchain, you have to use some like electric energy for these computers to compute these codes. And right now Ethereum runs on the proof of work model, which is not very energy efficient from what I'm understanding. Um, but yeah, so I don't know you know, I didn't look super, super deep into this, but apparently the ecological impact is pretty great. Um, but yeah, where, where do you kind of stand on that as, as someone who's, oh, you've minted two now, right? Two NFTs? Two, yeah. 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 So I think it's something that should be addressed. Like, you know, the same way in anything, if there's a major impact, it's something we have to talk about the main source of that problem is the mining itself, not just in the amount of electricity that goes into these computers, but also into like, they need silica to make the graphics cards that are being put into these computers. And the earth is like running out of silicone because we, there literally aren't enough graphics cards on the market for creatives who need them or for people that actually use them for work. Cause There's people just using them for mining. And so, you know, it's it's in in other countries, I'm sure in the U.S. too, there are these mining farms. They're gigantic rooms full of computers. And I'm not like super familiar on this, but essentially the way mining works is a bunch of computers are fighting for a block, for a block on the chain. They're all fighting with each other. They're burning electricity at the same time to get to it. And then one of them gets it. And it gets passed on instead of these things like kind of going out to different things because they're all fighting for one source. They're all just wasting energy. Um, that's an issue. I think everyone agrees. There's a new level to Ethereum where I think a big part of, you know, that next level is reducing that is finding more eco-friendly ways to mine um, this currency, which like, you know, mining is just the creation. It's the same as printing money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just gathering that money to put into the marketplace. So 
I think Ethereum too is, is a step in the right direction. There are a lot of companies that are kind of stepping up. Um, Annie from IRL today shared a grant with me where a company is like giving money to a project that solves issues with ecological waste on the blockchain. Um, it's, it's just something that we need to be aware of. Right. On my end, I'm minting really slow. I'm choosing very intentionally what I pick. I mint very late at night so that it doesn't use a lot of gas. Oh. Um, also, it's cheaper. If you wait till like 4 a.m., it's very cheap and it uses very, like, it, it just isn't as bad. And nice. so um, doing stuff like that, I, I'm doing what I can. I'm not like, there's, there's no reason for a person to need to mint every single thing they've ever made in their life. Right. It's just wasteful. And it, the same way, like, you, anyone in any field, like, you don't have to do everything at once if it's wasteful. It's okay to move slow and just acknowledge that that's a part of being a sustainable part of things. You know, yeah. the same way we maybe own a car, but we choose not to drive a lot. Yeah. Doesn't inherently make you evil for owning a car, but, you know, driving two blocks away from your house every day seems unnecessary yeah so yeah. you know yeah so i think that's like the best approach for now the solutions are building it's a really new space it can't be perfect but it's moving in that direction and if if people are just intentional and responsible with how they're entering the space then i think it reduces a good bit of that impact yeah what i don't like seeing is is artists getting blamed by other artists like for minting on the blockchain that like i don't know like if you're a person who's doing that like let's let's stop for a second and think about the whole ecosystem of what is is going on there because i mean you could put blame on the artists or you could put blame on the fact that uh we've had what 40 years now to get our shit together about fossil fuels and we still haven't done it. Um, I don't know. I just don't like, like apparently I think James Jean got a lot of flack the other day and I believe it. And, uh, I just don't think that that's cool because like this is, you know, I think artists are a somewhat underserved, like professional class of people. And this is actually like raising us all up. And if you don't want to mint an NFT for ecological reasons, that's your, you know, that's your, you know, prerogative. But I don't know. You don't go around bashing other people just because they're, especially like digital artists who've had, you know, such a rough time with trying to sell their work in the past. Yeah, totally. And I just think there's better ways to go about it. You know, like, see a lot of people trying to cancel people on Twitter and, you know, instead of doing that, there's ways for us to just say like, Hey guy that just made $6 million. Like, did you know that it created this much waste? Would you be interested in donating maybe to a foundation that would help to offset that? Let me give you a good resource of a foundation that I know that could use the money. And I'm promise you most artists would be like, for sure, dude, I'm happy yeah. to donate. Thanks yeah. for letting me know. I mean, I think that's why we become artists in a sense a little bit is like that sense of altruism where at least like, you know, for me at least, it was like I'm painting so I'm not like going out and raising hell in some other way. Mm -hmm. And 
and I think, yeah, I mean, I think any artist would be super willing to give back. Um, but we'll see how this plays out. It's still very, very new. It is, you know, and I think, you know, I understand the excitement and the desire to really go full force, but I think that most things are better in moderation. The space isn't going anywhere. I, you know, if there's a dip later, because that's how all markets work, it's, it's not a pop. Like this is really, um, something that that goes beyond art and music. It really is, is something that we are going to see change the fashion world, change the distribution world, change. So the gaming world, it's going to change so many things, even the live experience world, like Um, selling tickets. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Like, you know, for the selling tickets thing, imagine not having to fight with people on Ticketmaster and then getting scammed because right. everything's provable. <laughs> like, that's great. I love that. So I, I think people just need to take some time to be educated before having a lot of strong opinions or before really getting super caught up in changing their whole lifestyle for something that they're not super informed about. Um, totally. You know, just in general for all things, but yeah. especially this. Yeah. Don't follow the hype train just because it's the hype train. You know, yeah. Do it because you love it. And, and that's, I mean, that's kind of my strategy. Like, yeah, let's talk strategy a little bit. Um, like I'm definitely, you know, I have, I have other reasons for going slow, mostly my computer from 2011. But, uh, <laughs> um, but I also think that that's kind of my style too. Like, I'm a little, I'm more like toe in the water kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little cautious with new things, although I'm, I'm very, you know, rah, rah about this space, very bullish about it, you know? Um, but yeah, what do you, th- so I've asked this question in many a clubhouse room, but like, just to bring it up again, like, what do you think about a physical artist getting into the space? Like, I know that you, you do a lot of your mock-ups like digitally, so it makes a lot of sense for you, Mm -hmm. but do you think like, do you think a physical artist should like take their time and maybe not just mint a still photo of, of their painting and rather like go in and jazz it up and, and, you know, strengthen it for the, to like make sense Mm -hmm. with the digital space? I think that it doesn't have to mesh with the digital space. If you, I think that, so I, my first piece that I minted came with an original painting. I was going to physically tie it um, via chip. And after it was sold, I spoke with a gallery or right, right before it sold, I, I spoke with a gallery about it, about how there kind of wasn't at this time a standard for that for tying the digital and the physical and that because there's no standard, it could devalue one or the other. So they're just separate. The person who bought that piece is just really lucky, pretty much got a painting out of it. Um, And then the painting has augmented reality so they can experience the token using augmented reality. Right. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with artists who do paint and 
when I've spoken to them, I've just shared that experience that I had and just been like, don't maybe don't rush right now while that standard is being set. But I do see in the future, the standard for provenance for physical things and digital things, um, providence, providence, just being proof of authenticity, all being on the blockchain because it's safer. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I do think that shifts will happen just slowly for now. I mean, Thank You X is a physical painter. He's one of the biggest NFT artists in the scene. Mm. And he's collaborating with photographers, um, with a photographer, JN Silva. And they're doing like remixes of JN's photography with um, Thank You X's paintings animated within them. So there's absolutely ways to use your paintings in a creative way. I I think that in the same way that putting your whole entire collection that you've ever made on the internet is like not a good look. I don't think it's a great look to just mint all your paintings, photos of them and make double money. The whole double money idea to me makes those people in my eyes look kind of cheap. Like you really didn't put any thought into this. What JN and Thank You X are doing is so well thought out and so just intentionally put together. And it combines two fields that traditionally we wouldn't think of in this space of photography and physical painting, yeah. just in a cool, innovative way. Right. So I, in, in a way, yes. I think people who do physical art shouldn't be deterred, um, but maybe just sit within some conversations and have conversations and get educated first um, before just diving in with all of the paintings, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I'm almost kind of like thinking of it like in a almost like out of respect to the digital artists and to myself because like I've sort of always wanted to learn digital tools and just never, you know, sometimes you just get on a track and you just sort of stay on that track. And like, I, I really do think that the future is like multidisciplinary humans, you know? Like people who can do more than one thing, like one man bands, one woman bands, whatever, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and so it should be about the art and it should be about the experience that you're offering on this platform. Not just about like, oh, all these people are making money. I should probably get in on this. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, while there are people who will absolutely kill it by doing that I don't think it's super sustainable like the market is very community friendly and community focused and so I think people who have a lot of long-term success unless you're like someone with 20 million followers already which Mm. like good for you (laughs) you can probably do anything and it will succeed because you have the following right I think just it's like the same way I would suggest moving into any space like move with integrity and and be smart you know yeah move the same way you would within the physical art world, you know, keep your pricing reasonable. If someone bids something crazy, like that's cool. You have the option to not accept it. I'm not going to say don't, you know, if someone offers you a lot of money, yeah. (laughs) If someone offers you a lot of money, like take it, but then, you know, have that conversation with that bidder and just be like, Hey, like, you know, thank you so much for raising my price. This is going to change the dynamic of my art. Yeah. Most of, of the big bidders are really respectful of where people are at in their careers. They're not going to ruin your pricing. Right. You know, they're not going to like hurt your career 
long-term instead they'd rather rather support you over every drop yeah you know and still give you the money yeah that's that's dope yeah i'm seeing like this community pop up where everybody's sharing a lot of knowledge about things like that you know like i don't know I, i guess this is probably pretty common knowledge in like the physical art gallery space too but like definitely like and i may be just like repeating myself but it's it bears repeating like raising your your prices of your work too high too fast like you can have some short-term success but in like five ten years down the line if you're not selling your work for as much as you sold it before it's you know you're gonna have a tough time mm-hmm. yeah and you hurt your collectors like yeah your collectors especially early on are the like I don't want to say the only people that believe in you, but you know, when the whole world's not rooting for you, you have to really be respectful of the people who are there having your back. And so I just like, I really can't stress that enough. I move very slowly with all of that stuff out of respect for everyone who collects it to keep it accessible and to just, you know, kind of educate people on this stuff. The fact that, you know, I've had I've ha- had a collector literally come to me, ask for a painting, and then not buy it because they felt the price was too low. And I was like, I appreciate that. But at the end of the day, like no matter where you see me in my career, I'm four and a half years into this. Right. This is my second year doing this full time. Like I am not where some of these XYZ people that you're comparing me to are. So I'm right. not going to do you the disservice of charging you what they charge you can invest in me now and your piece will rise in value and you can come back to me when I'm at their price point and keep collecting. But right now you're getting a deal and he didn't buy it. He wasn't into it and mm. that's okay with me, but I'm, I'm still going to have those conversations. I, I am going to keep it real and just not hurt myself in the long run by just being really ridiculous off of <laughs> yeah. the jump. Yeah, I think it's easy for people to get excited and and just, you know, price themselves out of the art game, honestly, with something new like this. Um, Something, I guess, that I didn't mention yet is that for anyone who's listening, who's like, again, very new to NFTs, is like the artist gets royalties every time their piece is sold on the secondary market. And right mm-hmm. now the standard is 10%, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like that that's, that's just kind of probably where it will stay, I imagine. I know that you can set your own, you can set your own percentage, right? But I think it's that whole dynamic of like, will you scare off collectors if you go higher? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some some marketplaces let you adjust it. I don't know that all of them do. I'm not on all of them. Um, and I don't want to misinform. But, sure. you know, in the future, too, like, all of these things are built on smart contracts. And I haven't really found an open source smart contract site. But I'm sure those will come where people can really set the rules for their pieces super strictly, including the royalties, including, like, usage rights. Um which will be huge for artists that do commercial work and do a lot of licensing. Like that's like pretty major to even collect royalties on that. Right. Can you, can you break down, um, 
a smart contract? Uh, is it just, can you just literally write it out or do you need to know any code or anything like that? I've never seen one. So I don't, I think I have, have seen one. It's code. It is. Code. Um, the, the one I saw was, but, um, I've never looked at one or interacted with one. When you mint on a lot of these sites, they're automatic and you can like choose some settings, mm -hmm. but they're built in to the minting process. Um, but I, I do want to like see what they look like. I would love to know like just kind of how to make certain adjustments, particularly in terms of like split royalties in working with like bigger collaborations with people where maybe four or five people are involved on a project. Yeah. Um, you know, let's say you have like a videographer involved, but they're just a small part of something big, being able to pay them out like 10, 20% on the mm. first sale and then additionally in royalties. I don't know how to do that yet. And I, I haven't really found anyone that knows how to. So I think those are one of those things again, where like, this is new, it'll happen. I'm pretty patient and just like not choosing not to do projects that would put me in a weird position in terms of that stuff, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like collaborations, my collaborations are like with friends right now where like we trust each other to split royalties and to pass forward anything, yeah. you know, but in, I think with time, like that will be standard where you can really set that up yeah. on your own. So speaking of collaboration, uh, should we tell people what we're doing with this yeah, podcast? <laughs> so we're going to mint this podcast as an NFT and Ooh. Allie right now is remixing the RTAF logo. Um, do you want to share your screen? Yeah, I haven't even started. Oh, no worries. But I've been told, so she's like, not quite yet remixing it, but she's about to. Um, <laughs> yeah, give me two seconds, and then I'll no screen worries. share into our convo. But yeah, I think this is this is like what I'm excited about is like stuff like this, like. Um, we're we're kind of like putting an nft inside of itself and this whole like meta thing of like well you know like so there's the image right there'll be like the image included with this correct mm -hmm. and then also there'll be this actual podcast in there right um which is cool like that's another really cool feature that you can do with the NFTs is um, unlockable content. So for example, I have one right now with um, Jake Amazon and David Ildes and Jonna um, who animated a piece that we made and he has um, put it on super rare via his account. Um, but whoever purchases it additionally gets a vj pack and so oh nice like for all of my drops um when you purchase it you either get like a link or depending which site it's on or um you get like a an email and those it's a, a google form and that google form asked me for your address if you would like a print with your nft Purists in the space don't want the physical item, so I don't force it on anyone. If you want it, you want it. If not, that's cool. 
Um, and yeah, and so that print to me solved the issue of the fact that for people to enjoy these right now, a lot of the way people go about it is you have to like put it on a special screen um, mm. or like on a TV. And I didn't want to make presumptions about the price point that my collectors are in. So I wanted to offer an inexpensive way for you to experience it at home via augmented reality. So you get the print, you download a free app and you can hold your phone up to it and it comes to life. So, nice. uh, and I've seen some other people start to do that too. I think that's the move, honestly, it's cost effective. The person still gets a physical item and then it is unlockable in a way. So, um, a thought that just came up, what if, uh, uh, you know, like a purist, as you were saying, buys an NFT and let's say you're like, it comes with the painting and they're like, ah, I don't want the painting. Um, yeah, I mean, at that point, like, do you, I think it's like fair to say that you could sell it again, right? The physical item. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because at that point they're not connected. The person showed right. no interest. They they have nothing to do with each other. Right. It's fine. It's so pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's pretty awesome, actually. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, maybe uh, for obviously. artists. Yeah. So, there. I mean, I know some questions have been raised about that very thing. Like, I think some people get confused between. Um, like collecting and ownership or like usage rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I think to clear that up, like when someone buys an NFT, they are collecting it. Right. Correct. And and they don't own the rights to it. I think no. like in the beginning, a lot of people were wondering about that. And um, yeah, I think, that's just another good part of the PSA to, to talk about there. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like when you are purchasing an NFT, you have no more rights than a person that buys a painting. You don't have the right to reproduce it. You don't have the right to sell. You have the right to sell it, like resell it. Um, but you don't have the right to like take a picture and sell those pictures of it. Um, or in this case, like download the picture and then resell the picture that isn't physically linked to that chain address. Um, And that is only because the chain address gives royalties to the artist. And so that's the only resale that you have the right to, unless the artist gives you an additional item that is downloadable and then you have the right to that thing also. Um, Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't, unless it's a commercial license, you can't like make money off of it, but like you can download it and have it and (laughs) show it to people. I don't know, do other stuff with it. Yeah. It's like, it's the whole, like you can't have the cake and eat it too. Right. Like you can have the painting, but you can't, or the, the NFT, but you, that doesn't give you the right to just go around reproducing the image and there's still like legal frameworks in place for for people to protect themselves from that. I think you have to let me share my screen with you. Oh, okay. It was like nah. <laughs> Hang on a sec. Wait. Um uh, we'll edit all this like 
stuff out. Is it so now you're just seeing my screen, right? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Um I think if maybe under participants. Okay. More. What if I just made you the host? Make host. Mm -hmm. And then you can share your screen. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nice. want to just share this with you guys um make it bigger um but yes what were we just yeah. talking about <laughs> i don't remember but that's dope i like what oh, you no. did with it i like what you did with that um so yeah anyway as we were saying oh yeah we were talking about um rights versus uh collecting like ownership Correct. rights versus collecting like Correct. you as the creator you always have rights over what you create unless you specifically license them out to someone correct and that's true for like any of your art like no one should ever tell you that it's right. okay to like use your work for anything else you know i there are situations where like I guess people are lenient. Like I have a tattoo of Joshua May's work. And to be honest, I think he kind of let me get it because I own the original. And oh, nice. I just reached out to him was like, hey, I bought this painting. I, I literally love it. I want it on my skin. And he was like, that's very flattering. Go ahead. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of like, um, what would that be like? I'm trying to draw an analogy. Like that'd be like going to, you know, a jam band concert and recording it. For, right. You know, like, and I see people getting like Alex Gray tattoos all the time and he's like, you know, he's stoked about it and he'll share them on his Instagram or whatever. And that's right. kind of a, you know, that's, that's sort of like free advertising, I think. Yeah. You know? I think, you know, some people want to be paid for it and if they want to, then that you should respect that. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and if someone doesn't want to, you should tip them at least. Or um, if you don't own the original, if you already bought the piece, that's cool. You already invested in it. You already showed interest and whatever else. But um, just straight up ripping it is kind of lame, in yeah, my opinion, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's always good to, I mean, just in the interest of, of communicating openly with with artists. A hundred percent. And I think like, you know, I don't know. I don't know why people get so weird about that stuff. Because it, it's truly just like, I don't know. And uh, I mean, in terms of like asking an artist to interact with their work in a unique way, like there's nothing wrong with asking at all. There is something wrong with making presumptions. Yeah. Assuming. Know? Yeah. And I've heard people say like, Oh, I was just afraid to ask. And it's like, that's kind of just not cool. Like, yeah, definitely not. You know, there's, there's like 
just nothing wrong with being upfront. And if someone says no, then just respect it and be like, cool. I respect that. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that positive things that I think will come out of the, the NFT movement is that people will actually start valuing art more or they'll, they'll like get it. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like people don't get like the work that we put in or don't really, or they think that like, Oh, this are, you know, artists, they're cool. Like, yeah, I'll just do whatever, you know, something Mm -hmm. along those lines or like, Oh, this guy's cool. He'll probably like, uh, let me commission him to paint like a two by two foot painting for 50 bucks. Oh my God. (laughs) It's the worst one. It's your friends. And you're like, you're like, homie, do you know me? Yeah. One, like, do you know me? And just like, what? Like, especially like, I don't know. Like I, I, guys support your friends. Like we're working really hard. We can't give you everything for free. Right. I want to, I would love to give everything I make away, but I can't, I have rent to pay. So, you know, I think that, and, and on the flip side of that, if you are a creator, like I try to pay everyone that I work with or at least do something like, do you want free art? Do you want literally anything (laughs) in return? Just let me buy you lunch at least. (laughs) <laughs> definitely um one thing i'm curious as to what you think is like what do you think that nfts will hold these values over time like we saw people today just sold something for what 69 million or something like that do you think Sorry. that'll hold up over time yeah that it's my uh i hope so um, I don't see why not, honestly, like it, mm-hmm. I, as much as I can like just speculate about the NFT space, it's like the same as the art market totally. just because it's like on the internet doesn't mean that it behaves <laughs> any differently or is any different, you know, it, it yeah. truly is just another art market. So the same way some pieces hold value and some don't within the regular space, regular meaning real life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason that the NFT space won't the same. I think it matters more with what the artist chooses to do with their career. If yeah. they're going to keep pushing the forefront of things. And, and that's the other reason, like I tell people don't just like mint every single thing you've ever made, like actually intentionally make things again, cause it's out of respect to your collectors. Yeah. not just about the money you're going to make. It's about the value you're giving to the people who are investing money in you mm-hmm. um, and how you show respect in that way. I think a lot of people, not a lot. I have spoken with artists who get very disheartened about the fact that people don't want to buy things from them, but they are really irresponsible with how they treat their own market and their own value And then they Mm. can't comprehend why someone wouldn't want to invest in that. Right. That to me, like, is obvious why someone wouldn't want to invest in you. And so, you know, just being wise about that, being intentional with it and 
you know, not just chasing a bag. I get it. It's yeah. a pandemic. We're all broke. Trust me, I feel it. But <laughs> it's not it's just not going to help you in the long run. Right, right. I mean, and if you're chasing a bag, why did you become an artist? That's kind of I mean, yeah, we're seeing yeah. legendary levels of of money being made right now, but like were you like, I mean, if you wanted the bag like I don't know. You could have gone to law school or something, I suppose. <laughs> you picked the wrong job. Right? I, yeah. Um, oh, man. So something I was, I was thinking about, um, are there any, are, so like crypto, right? It's all about um, personal sovereignty and financial freedom with like encrypted you know you like you could encrypt your identity on there right mm -hmm. are there any crypto artists i mean other than i guess banksy hasn't entered the space just yet but are there crypto artists who whose identities are uh are unknown yes probably someone knows who they are sure. you know but um like not on a banksy level Right, right, um, right, right. But yeah, there's people that use like an alias. They don't really want to be known, particularly um, on the buyer's market. I think that's more true. Hmm. Like these people are billionaires, crypto yeah. billionaires. So I feel like they want to lay low, which I can respect. Yeah. But there, there are like some artists that keep their, they maybe keep their faces hidden. They're still like, in the community and communicating right. with people. Right, so they're right, not like right. fully elusive. Sure. But, yeah. I think the, like the whole question of identity is really interesting in terms of like the context of what's happening with crypto and everything like that. Like if you want to, you can, you could conceal like everything about you that like people could see. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be advantageous to some artists, you know, yeah, you mean in terms of artists or in terms of um, collectors? Uh, both. I could see it being good for both. Um, yeah, like, you, like if you can artists, conceal your name, right? But, can you conceal like? Could you conceal your gender? Could you conceal your race? Oh yeah, totally. But what you cannot conceal, which is really important, is your activity. Like right, right, right. Super important. Which is to the just, dopest part, actually. Like yeah. Like you can see, you can look into anyone's wallet. Their right. name isn't on it. It's a number. But like, if you know what they're, what someone has collected, you can figure out who it is and you can see every single thing they're doing with right. that wallet. So, right. so everything's pretty transparent. Right. Like the actions are transparent, but all the like surface level stuff is like, you mm -hmm. could, you could potentially move in that space without anyone knowing. I, th yeah. I just find that really interesting. No, yeah, yeah you totally could. It's not um, necessary to be, like, known in the least, which is cool. I think for a lot of people, especially people that prefer uh, privacy, that's great because you can still make waves right. and be influential without having to be an influencer. Right, exactly. 
yeah, that's, that's something that I hadn't even thought about. Like, you know, we're, we're kind of, I mean, I hope that we're sort of like coming out of the, (laughs) the influencer phase of the internet. Right. Uh, it's forever. Yeah. (laughs) It's forever. You think? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think influencers are going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just how humans human, but Maybe what I mean more specifically, (laughs) well, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if one monkey has all the bananas, you want to follow that monkey because like they know where all the bananas are, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, no, totally. (laughs) I think that's true. And just like the stronghold that advertising has on like just all of social media is so intense that like the influencer market is just not going anywhere. Those people really are running the world. And honestly, they work really hard. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I just don't like the ad model thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's lame. I don't know. It's, there's a lot of things within the influencer community that just make it, I think really unappealing. Like, like the fact that people are kind of playing a character all the time, like life isn't perfect. And so portraying that I think can come off a little weird to some people, not manipulating, but like promoting something that you don't actually believe in, I think is a little iffy. And I think a lot of people do it Mm -hmm. for money. Um, But at the same time, like there are positive influencers out there. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I didn't mean to just, broad stroke influencers as shitty people or anything but uh oh no not at all i think it's just like the it's like the ad culture that that we're kind of subject to and i mean you know there's there's the flip side of that too like if you know as humans we need stuff there is Mm -hmm. stuff that we do need and not Mm -hmm. everybody's just selling you something you don't need Mm -hmm. so that's cool and i mean like you can, if you're, you know, if you're on Instagram or Facebook a lot, you can kind of tailor the ads that, uh, that you get. Also a good trick that, that I've learned is if you want something, just start talking into your phone about it. And eventually (laughs) an ad will pop up for you. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, which is creepy, but also sometimes super useful. Right, right, right. And, but mostly creepy. Mostly creepy. I, yeah. I just wanted to be generous to both points of view, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm such a, like, I don't know. I'm such a fence rider. So, like, you know, both sides of any argument can, can hate me equally. Do you think in all ways or just in terms of, like, art things? I don't know. I try and find, like, here's how I look at it. Like, like the truth usually gets split up into, like, a duality. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the actuality of it is somewhat paradoxical, but you, you have to, there's, like, something about it where you you have to merge both sides of any argument, usually, to find find out what's, like, what's happening. And that's right. what conversations are all about, right? Like mm-hmm. you come together 
people, you know, and we kind of like smelt our, <laughs> our brain, our brain matter, or our brain, like electricity together. And then it turns into this new thing. And, you know, that's, that's in a good faith conversation, I suppose. Right. Um, yeah, no, I'm kind I, of rambling I agree. A bit, but. <laughs> no, no, but that that's kind of like, I think that is on, honestly just good practice to just understand that not everything is black and white. Right. That there's like, just there's modalities to everything. Like, and, and I, I, I think that if anything, it's a good reminder for people to sometimes just chill out for a sec. Yeah, yeah. Take a deep breath. Appreciate yeah. where you're at. Yeah. Appreciate that you're able to have conversations with people over the internet in 2021. Right. And just like, you know, you got to meet people where they're at too. Oh, here's a, (laughs) here's something I've been asking like everyone lately. Um, What, what are your thoughts about like free will? Do you believe in free will or? Whoa. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think that we all are responsible for ourselves. I do too. Um, we, we, we have a capability that animals don't. If you, I'm very like no bullshit about this stuff. Like if you want to act like a dog, go live with dogs <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Like right, if you want right. to be a civilized human being, like act like a civilized human being. For sure. So um, I'm right there with you. Like I think, people have to be responsible for their actions. Um, but I also think that like, we're all just kind of caught up in the churn of cause and effect. Mm -hmm. And that really the only thing that grants you the ability to make good decisions is knowledge. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have access to that knowledge, or maybe you haven't got the access to that knowledge just yet, like it, in certain situations, it's okay to give you a pass. And that doesn't mean yeah. that like we shouldn't lock criminals up or things like that because like, you know, animals don't have free will. And if one attacks you, like you're not just going to be like, oh, it's okay. He doesn't have free will. Let right. him go. It's not like you're going to like have to do something about it. Like if a dog bites you or something like that. Um, right. No, so yeah, totally. I, I think that the free will determinism thing is like a huge paradox. They're like, most people don't, well, I know I didn't really ever think about it until it was kind of brought to my attention. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And also like, you know, me saying that I'm kind of like a no bullshit person with that. I, I definitely acknowledge like people learning and growing, mm. not about to cancel the world because oh, they for act sure. like dogs, um, <laughs> which a lot of people do. But um, I just think that we all make mistakes. And especially right now where we are going through like a global growth in terms yeah. of all of us learning that we've all kind of in some ways been really messed up to each other for a long time. Totally. Arguing with someone that's telling you that you've hurt them is not a solution. Just sure, being sure, like, sure. hey, I was wrong. I appreciate you taking the time and energy to explain to me why I'm wrong and I'm going to do better. 
and I'm going to find ways to do better. And that, that is exactly where free will comes in. You know, if a dog bites you, it's an instinct. We're not dogs. Like we have the ability to have reason Hmm. and to say like, yes, I was wrong. And we have the ability to kind of, you know, retrain ourselves in our like willingly and willfully do the work ourselves. And so it's totally fine to make mistakes. It's totally fine to admit that you were less educated at some point, Hmm. but it's not okay to know you're wrong and keep going in the direction that you were going, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I think like, see, I think that we have will for sure and volition and agency and the ability to discern. I just don't know if it's like the definition free is what, maybe it's just semantics, but that's what I get caught up on. Mm. Like, I don't think it's free because like, I mean, think about like, just in terms of like who your parents are, like you didn't get to choose your parents. You didn't get to choose the environment you grew up in. Like, no, definitely not. But I do think that we have the access to knowledge now to be able to make more intelligent decisions for ourselves. And, you know, where I acknowledge privilege and that we all come from different places and different backgrounds and different situations, Mm -hmm. I think with the access to information that exists and with the conversations that are being had, if a conversation is being had with you, no matter what situation you've come from, it's important to stop and listen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's like a value that that needs to be instilled in everybody is like when you're talking to someone, like meet them halfway, come in with, with some at least sympathy, if not, if not compassion for where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And it has to be reciprocal, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I, I also think that like people get real defensive about shit because that's just who we are. I mean, like, you know, People have egos and they can be, you can either express it in a positive way or, or let it take control of you. And, uh, yeah, I think that like, really like the project is just disseminating knowledge Mm -hmm. and finding truth in, in those paradoxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Also unrelated. This is the actual literal chaos that my process is. It never makes sense. I love it's it. It's very chaotic and it's just me delete, doing a lot of work and then deleting it and then doing a lot of work again. So I'm no, sorry. That, no, that makes total sense. Um, like, have you seen, I'm sure you've seen David Cho work where he'll like paint and then just like paint over it and then paint mm-hmm. over that. And like, I think that that's like, I think that's where you find the gold, man. Like, oh yeah, totally. Improv, moving things around, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's also why I'm super unafraid to show anyone or to talk anyone through it when they ask me. Cause I'm just like, there's a 0% <laughs> chance you're going to make order of this. <laughs> there's like, no strategy. There, yeah. There's <laughs> zero strategy involved here other than taking a bunch of things, putting them together, breaking them apart again and 
that like no one can copy the way I do that. So if you right. want to do things like this, go for it. It won't look the same. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's a good, you know, that's a good bullet point about style is like, you know, you get, there's obviously lots of visual motifs to choose from, but in the, uh, it's all about the way that you do it. I think, I think mm-hmm. you know, style is one of those subjects that, that is pretty, you, you know, you can talk about it in, infinitely. Right. Right. And, and it's really just all about somatically, psychologically, how you process things. Right. And yeah, I don't know where I was going with that exactly. Again, it's just a, it's just an improv. It's just uh this is just how I do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, you know, some days this process, like I have an idea and I'm like, I'm going to build this. It's going to be easy. And I'm in and out in like an hour no thought and it looks amazing some days i'm doing this for a week yeah and deleting everything starting over i can't figure it out both sides of it happen yeah it's that balance between like struggle and uh relaxation yeah something like that yeah so i think that that's just also like an important thing I try and, and stress to young artists in particular, like there, there doesn't have to be a rhyme or reason to things. If something just is a certain way for you, like that's cool. You don't have to explain it to anyone. You, you right. don't owe anyone like an in-depth scoop on what you're doing. And it, it doesn't have to feel comfortable. Like this process right. for me felt so uncomfortable for so long and honestly gave me like really bad um imposter syndrome because I was like there's no way I'm an artist like I'm just putting a bunch of things together that don't make sense and like whatever and so I mean it makes sense to me yeah I mean this this (laughs) is like pretty much what digital art is like there are people that paint digitally mad respect I don't know how to do that Um, other than like procreate black lines. Um, (laughs) But most of my stuff is like building patterns and then just collaging them eternally. Nice. What, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's thinking, someone meaning me, uh, who's thinking about using more digital aspects um, in their work? Um. I say go for it. Like, you know, the same way you would pick up a new brush. Yeah. Pick up a digital thing. Uh, it's expensive. So, like, be aware of that. And, you know, if if you don't have the means, like, maybe reach out to a friend. If you – there are a lot of programs that you can get for free. Like, you, Blender is free for 3D building. Uh, a really basic version of Touch Designer is free for generative work. Is Touch Designer an Adobe product? No, no, no. It's like a generative program, generative art program. Oh, okay. Cool. Kind of deal where you like are plugging things in. Um, but like, you know, work, work within the means and bounds that you have. Like even right now, there's like a bunch of things I want to do that I literally can't because my computer can barely process video. 
And right. like, what the heck is that? Um, it's an egg blob. Yeah. <laughs> RTAF um, egg blob. The, like, there's so many things that I just like simply can't accomplish right now because I don't have the technology for it. And so that's cool. I'm just like work within the bounds of what I know. You know, I still watch the tutorials for the other thing. Right. Just to like, mostly to see like, is there a way for me to maybe start to learn the process by using a different program? Like for After Effects, After Effects is like pretty much Photoshop, but for videos that mm. moves really slowly. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's like probably the most annoying program I've ever used in my life because yeah, it's so slow. Yeah, I uh, I borrowed my my neighbor his computer. He has After Effects on it, and uh, I was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna need my own computer if I really want to." <laughs> you know, if there's for like just the basic fact of like not having a time limit on it, mm-hmm. you know. Unless they're renting out computer like dope laptops at the library now, which that's a that's an idea. But, Did you uh, have an enjoyable experience in? I just like I just watched the tutorial because I know what I want to do with the image, um, but I think I'm gonna need more time, you know, because I Is know it- that there'll be it, yeah, it's a painting that. Um, that I've already completed. I haven't sold the original, like the physical original. Mm -hmm. And I think that it would, I think it vibes with the NFT space because I see, I mean, at least from my perspective, like, like the painting I'm talking about is hypnosis and it's about, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like about like sort of like the, the knowledge of hype has sort of replaced in some instances, not all for sure, has sort of replaced like the artistic calling, you know? And like, and, and like now it's, it's more about a hype call, like a, a call to hype. Um, mm-hmm. And like Gnosis is like, you know, knowledge. It's like, and especially like spiritual knowledge. And I, I see, from my perspective, uh, my limited experience, I see that, uh, like that kind of like knowledge, like knowledge of self and knowing, knowing your own psychology and your own makeup has sort of been replaced via like social media with the Mm -hmm. knowledge of hype, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't know if that actually vibes with, nft collectors or not but i'm willing to bet that it might because it's a disruptive technology to Mm -hmm. brands like facebook and at all you know yeah you know for a second at the beginning of clubhouse like zuckerberg hopped on and i was kind of curious if they were going to get involved in the space but he never came back so (laughs) i don't know where he's at yeah lurking i'm sure as a Slurking. fake person. Yeah. There's a lot of celebrities on there that are using fake names. And then yeah. you'll be talking to them and they'll tell you, there's a few that are real, like MC Hammer is just chilling. Yeah. yeah. Super hard. That dude's awesome. But, yes. Much Lindsay respect. Lohan's chilling. Drake Bell is chilling. Okay, I didn't know who Drake Bell was. What? No, had no idea. You've never Drake and Joshed? No. 
still i i just hear his name thrown around i'm like i guess this guy's famous he's definitely famous <laughs> so what's he do? okay so for dum-dums like me will you explain what this, who this guy is yeah it, he's from that show drake and josh which is like a nickelodeon show oh that's um, probably maybe I'm those old. two brothers yeah I'm, prob- I'm probably just old uh i like i mean the show like was on when i was like a teen hmm. which i think um or maybe not a teen it was like on in like 2005 i think okay but um then they like you know when they have like shows about adolescence and then they get old and you're like this is awkward now (laughs) it definitely shout out boy meets world it definitely got awkward yeah exactly (laughs) it definitely got awkward at the end where you're like "Mm, you guys are like old and like talking about teenage girls and you're like a (laughs) 22 year old actor so weird now but um yeah it was a great show it was really funny Hmm. and it's kind of cool to see him in the space because like he's super not presumptuous like he's literally just chilling he's super supportive and like sells or buys a lot of people's nfts he actually like he literally makes art too but I, I think they're like paint pours and sells those nfts Interesting. Um, there's a lot of celebrities that are just making like really random art and maybe it's not random like maybe they already did art and i just didn't know mm. but mm-hmm. like they're mostly just like patrons of the space and then every once in a while they'll randomly be like do you want to buy my paint pours and then people <laughs> are like sure dude like you bought my stuff yeah yeah like I, if oh. you're putting the work in, uh, on the community level, I think that's cool. But like, yeah, I saw one, um, I was just, you know, looking around on super rare one day and I saw one musician who was, who I was familiar with selling like a, selling a painting and it was a still image in NFT mm-hmm. and it was like, I mean, I don't ever want to hate on anyone's art because I do love this dude's music. Um, but it was very basic, very, you know, like, and he's not, you know, he doesn't care about my opinion, I'm sure. Yeah. But it just seemed, it, the optics of it seemed like, yo, dude, like, we know what you're doing here. Yes. But, you know, but people were buying it because it was him and, there is that happening. It's, and now um, I see it with uh, like athletes. Ah, yeah. Gronk has a release, I believe, today. I don't and even just, know who that is, but. Rob Gronkowski. The, oh, is he, a, a, is he a Bronco? A football player. No, I, he was a Patriot. I, he maybe plays for, I don't know. I don't really sport. But he was a Patriot. He was a Patriot. Yeah. Now, now he's a. Uh, something else pinko kami or something yeah (laughs) he's a he's a something but he i saw was doing one today is it art is it like a visual art thing no it's it's trading cards oh okay of himself i mean i think that that's cool yeah it's like the nba top shot yeah yeah, situation i think that's i mean like i don't know i i used to really really be into sports um, back in the day, back when I was a teenager, then I started, I, you know, I, I dropped it around 17, but like, 
I do think basketball is a super exp- exciting sport and like being able to own those like game winning shots for someone who really is still into it. I think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how the NBA is doing it. Like if all the profits are just going to the NBA, but like, I think it'd be cool. Like, you know, if Michael Jordan's like how 30 game winners or whatever over his career, it, you know, I'm sure he's doing fine, but mm-hmm. like the NBA is doing much more fine than he is. So it'd be kind of cool if they were cutting in profits to the athletes whose who's work, honestly, that is. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I also see it once um, that market kind of keeps exploding. I really see it being a huge opportunity for musicians to mint special moments from their live sets. Yeah. You know, there's so many musicians, DJs, performers, comedians who have really iconic moments, like the kind of moment that makes a kid follow a musician around the country 50 times. Yep. Um, Owning that moment is so valuable. Um, Yeah. And I don't think it maybe looks like a trading card, but like, even if it was, so the, the NBA top shots are just clips, right. uh, hi, highlights. So like just owning a highlight that is tradable, like, especially within these like super big electronic scenes, I feel like that's a market a hundred percent. That's gotta be Absolutely. something people are thinking about. Cause like there are moments I would never forget or would want to own. Like imagine if like, you know, you had a moment where a good moment, like you're, you get engaged at a show or mm-hmm. maybe a negative moment where the last moment you ever got to share with someone was at a show and that was your best friend. Now you lost them. And mm-hmm. I know someone who's in that situation, being able to mint a moment from that show for that person is so sentimental and that holds so much value Absolutely. or, you know, the guy who gets married or engaged and wants to capture that moment and then another kid finds it later wants to buy it from them there's your resale market right there every moment at those experiences means something to someone and so you know not in a money grabby way but in a way that is can give back to the patrons like maybe if you own those moments you or you can buy a ticket to the next show by buying a moment from that show but your ticket is the moment yeah. You know, and then it has a function. That is something so special that we can now have in this space. Like instead of keeping photo albums, you can literally have this digital wallet that can never be destroyed. It can never be ruined. And it holds all the most sacred moments in your life. That's Absolutely. like what the blockchain can give us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about like artists like Tipper who have, have really cultivated a community. Um mm-hmm. Like, I am really excited. I know that he must be thinking about this. I mean, I'm speculating and I should probably, you know, have some <laughs> sort of legal disclaimer up top, but like they they have to, his team has to be thinking about that. Like if you could mint some of those special tipper sets, like, yeah. I mean, come on, like you're going to have fans like chomping at the bit right there. And, oh, yeah. and it's special to the fans because, I mean, you and I both know, like, 
people love to talk about that one time at that one tipper set in this one, yeah. you know, like in this very, very special way, because it is, it is special, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, just like, you know, on that note, especially with situations where someone shares that moment in a crowd, one person wouldn't even have to own these, like multiple people could own a share of a moment. And then it's like, almost like keeping your festival wristbands, but you don't have to wear a dirty wristband anymore. Right, you right. can literally own a moment and then, you know, show someone one day like, oh, like I have this moment from being there. And that person could be like, oh my God, like I was there too. You don't need the physical ticket sub. Like these are the moments that I really want people to focus on when they talk about this marketplace. I'm, I am grateful and excited about the fact that there's money to be made. I'm grateful that it's a new way to support artists. But these things like immortalizing a moment is something that is just irreplicable. Like that thing is so important and so beautiful and shared ownership of a moment for people that were there is such an important way to give back to your fans because they now hold something that's rising in value. Yeah. By, By being there and sharing a moment with you you now are able to give them something valuable that they can sell and trade in the future. Yep. You're enriching their lives, not just by expressing your, your creativity and them enjoying it, but you're literally enriching their lives on a, on a physical level. A hundred percent. And that's where I really want people to focus. Like I'm so happy to help people to help literally anybody who has the right intentions get into this space so happy to just like help people just get their feet wet so that they, so that I can start having this conversation with them Yeah. so that it, it goes one step beyond just like think of, you know, think of like what you, what you could do with it. Or, you know, I think people have to grasp how they enter the space and how they become a part of it before we can talk about the endless uses of the NFT. But you know, this conversation is what gets me excited and what makes me want or what, what has made me literally put down my entire career as a painter for a few months to strictly focus on digital and to strictly focus on educating people. Um, it's, it's for that thing. And when we can, you know, decentralization and shared ownership of things can create ecosystems where we hold each other accountable in new ways and where, you being a part of a community actually gives you power. And so that's like really where I want people to start looking. Yeah. The DAOs are very interesting to me. I, uh, again, I'm, I'm, as soon as I say that word, I'm like speaking out of school because I don't exactly know how they work, but it's, it's basically like community ownership. And like, once you, you know, say sign up for someone's discord server, like you get a token and this token, you know, depending on how many tokens you have, maybe you can actually now write the fan fiction that becomes reality in a way. Mm-hmm. If, we're, if we're talking about an artist or like a, or a, you know, franchise even, a story mm-hmm. franchise. Um, and also like one thing that I was thinking about too is that like some underserved performers, especially in our community, I think about like um, fire spinners or like movement artists. Mm-hmm. And I think that that could be a very, uh, 
very beneficial thing to them because you might pull off a trick that someone captures on video that you may never be able to do again. And Mm -hmm. if, if like for people who know they, and they see that and they're like, holy shit, that was mind blowing. You know, maybe you could, uh, give them that. And that's almost like a teaching thing too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm back by the way. What did you think? That, that was my master I that pr- was process. Dope. <laughs> I, cool. Do you, we, do you mind if I like use that as as like the logo now? Yeah. Sweet. Whatever you want. I'm gonna I'll give you um, credit everywhere. Okay. Um, I'm gonna animate it a little bit too. Just that's on another computer. Okay. Because all my computers are slow. So. <laughs> right. Right. I had to spread out my programs, but. Um, no, yeah, like literally what we're talking about right now, DAOs are so confusing. And I, again, like Annie from IRL Art is like probably the smartest person I've ever met in my life and is so informed and kind about sharing this information. But a DAO is just a decentralized um, just organization of people who vote with money pretty much, and but not in like a weird, gross capitalist way but rather just whatever you're willing to stake is how much of a voice you have right within this ecosystem and you know you you can earn more of a stake without having to invest by participating like the DAO pays you for participating so the more active and vocal you are the more of an influence you have within the market and we see that you know with influencers with capitalism with all those things but they're a little bit tarnished because they're controlled by something else. Right. When that ecosystem isn't controlled by another entity, then it can actually work and be sustainable. And, you know, we see it at like Burning Man. Yep. It, yep. it functions. It's never needed money. I'm sure people sell things and it's whatever, but it doesn't need money and it survives right. fine. You know? Right. I, I see this space as like, a really good opportunity to sort of like move the rent seekers of the world to the margins. Like what if, what if the whole world operated? I mean, it's probably not that scalable, but if the whole world operated on a DAO system, like, like rent seeking companies that don't really offer all that much. And I don't know, let's say they sell your data online. Mm -hmm. Like the people could actually sort of vote that company to the margin so that people are incentivized incentivized to have like good and fair behavior. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's really the benefit of it is that a lot of these fights that we're fighting with, uh, trying to make a corporation be moral is of just an absolute like mouse in a wheel situation. It's, yeah. it's just never going to work. But when we create infrastructures, like you're saying, where you can vote people out for being immoral, it forces people to, to be held accountable always and right. to be a good person. And, and not like I'm threatening you, so you have to be good, but like I want to be a good person because this thing is really good and I don't want to leave it. Right, right. It, that word incentivize is super important. And I think that that's why the world is in the situation that, it is in uh, to a certain extent because, you know, the incentives are there for companies to uh, 
just focus on the bottom line because that's all right. that there is. And, and if there's more of an incentive to focus on uplifting people, uh, all people uplifting the environment that we all live in, you know, I think that people would get in line real quick. Corporations would get in line real quick. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, and I agree the and another benefit. Yeah. Is that we're not trying to enforce that at the point of a gun. Right. Right. Where, you know, we're all fighting with each other and then it becomes this like ordeal of things. Like if being a good person was just standard quota for, yeah. you know, the bottom line, as you said, just we wouldn't have to think about it. And, and then we could all actually think about being ourselves because everyone's already cool. Like we're all working well together and now we can just like be ourselves. We don't have to put up a front. We don't have to be nervous about what we're saying. It yeah. just is chill. Right, right, right. Which is what I, we all want. Why can't we just have nice things? <laughs> <laughs> chill everybody. Yeah, chill everyone. <laughs> I don't need to tell people who are listening to this show that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah. super inspiring, dude. Thank you so much for, for coming on here. And, uh, I'm glad that, that we had this idea and that you could take it to another level with, with your experience in the space. Yeah, totally. Um, in terms of like the minting process, once you edit everything and I get a little animation, I think it'd be cool to just maybe do a little process video of the minting and then share it with your audience as well. Um, cause I do want to show people how easy it is. There's a lot of people who I think are really intimidated mm-hmm. by all of this. So sure, sure. I, I do want to be able to share that. Um, I do it creepily at 4am cause that's when the prices are cheap. So yeah, that's a good um, thing to remember if you are getting into the space. Yes, definitely. But, um, yeah, no, thank you also for having this conversation and this idea was super cool and unique and I'm happy to be a part of it. Sweet. Well, thank you, Allie. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time. Did you like this week's episode of RCAF? Tune in next week for an even more riveting episode. Bye.